Welcome back, Soul Sibling. What does the word retreat mean to you? The definition, or at least one that I chose, is to take refuge. Refuge. The definition of refuge, to shelter or protection from danger, trouble, etc. And so for today, I'd like to focus on to shelter or protect from one's normal routine, from one's dominant focus, from one's continued way of being. So today we're going to talk all about my scheduled retreat, which was starting March 1st, 2020, right before Shelter in Place came into effect. Let's dive in. That was Joni Mitchell's Rainy Night House on the Piano. I've been loving my study of Joni Mitchell. Hashtag Joni Jam or hashtag all Joni. That's right. One of these times you can plan on a concert full of Joni Mitchell guest artists and friends of mine. And we'll teach you and teach from what we've learned. So on today's episode, this is part of the COVID-19 series, I'm continuing the story. So this is the last week of February. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, you can check out episode 118 and 119, and it will catch you right up to today's episode. So the end of February, I'm now scheduled and leaning into retreat, and I'm getting the paperwork ready. And as I mentioned before, this is my third year working in an online spiritual retreat with Adi Ashanti. So I thought today's episode would be fun for me. And plus, reality is so skewed right now. I've been wanting to interview people on my podcast. So who better to start and practice with? Because interviewing takes a different editing style. And so today, if you're down in game, I, the narrator, Mr. Blue, I'm going to interview Alexander, pre-corona Alexander, PC-rona, and we're going to ask Alexander questions about spiritual retreat. So thanks for joining for this all, you know, what is reality, what's real episode. Hey, Alexander, it's so nice to have you on the program today. Thanks. I'm really excited to share with you a little bit more about this topic. Great. Well, let's dive in. So tell us a little bit about why a spiritual retreat? You've mentioned that you have done Adi Ashanti's spiritual retreat three years in a row. So tell us a little bit about what led you ultimately to going towards spiritual retreat. In 2015, I came in contact with Adi Ashanti. This was in the fall, and a new friend of mine, somewhat of a spiritual mentor, introduced me as I was beginning my journey in recovery in 12 Steps, and he introduced me to Adi Ashanti's teachings, and they resonated very deeply with me. At the same time, I attended in November of that fall 2015 a spiritual weekend or retreat 
well, kind of like a workshop with Oneness University uh, out of India. And Diksha is the sort of energetic, sort of like a Reiki that's associated with the Oneness University. And so I participated, and it was quite profound. It was a very um, monumental weekend. And so during that sort of spiritual exploration, Adi Shanti definitely rose to the top. And I listened to his Dharma talks and his audios, and I found them on YouTube. If you just YouTube Adi Shanti, a lot of his material has been put on YouTube as an audio video. And it's really awesome to uh, have access to so many files. And so at that point, I continued on the journey of the 12 steps and working the steps. And my spiritual life sort of, um, I feel like it integrated. It came into this um, alignment or agreement with so many other things that I had experienced. It was kind of like a coalescing, like a, um, yeah, I think that's the best way to tell you about that. And so in those first couple years with continued repetition and meditation being a very strong practice, I first began meditating in 2003. And so has a series called True Meditation. And I listened to that during those first couple years. And it was very pivotal in, it was a switch for me in my meditation practice and his instructions and guidance, not guidance, but his instructions. He believes, Adi Ashanti, that one should only teach from what they have experienced, that you should just teach from what you know based off of experience. And that's what he aims to do. And he consistently aims to teach people the teaching, so to speak, by reminding you that don't mistake the finger pointing to the moon. I am looking to look at the moon and observe uh, realizations, uh, spiritual being, awareness, and it's very easy to get fixated on the finger pointing you to the moon. So, oh, Adi Shanti, this God, this teacher, or some sort of religion or community, when don't mistake the finger pointing you to the moon. And so the teaching about true meditation softened so much of what I was doing with my practice in sitting meditation. At that point, as I continued to practice, to uncover on my recovery journey, to continually, continually seek for a spiritual solution, I heard something about, well, actually I was reading in Tibetan texts, I was reading the, the Tibetan book of the living and dying, and it became clear to me that a lot of people on their spiritual path have a spiritual root teacher that they talk to regularly to help decrease the amount of delusion that I might take into my practice. So I kept running into it and I thought, well, call, maybe I should have you know, a meditation teacher. Now, mind you, prior to 2015, I was in Long Beach from like 2013, 14. I was going to different sanghas in Long Beach and LA and 
going to meditation meetings and to their community gatherings. And I even went pretty regularly to one in Long Beach. And I probably fell deeper into my last, you know, year of using drugs very unskillfully. And so at this point, it dawned on me that I'd spent so much time in therapy over the years. You know, I hire all kinds of people to help me do things. So why don't I look for someone to help me with meditation and to talk about this spiritual part of my life? So I think the first thing that happened that's important is that the information was there. It resonated with me. And then I opened myself up to it. And then from there, I was willing to take action when items showed up and to be engaged with it and to make it happen. And so at some point, I started thinking, well, why would I go like on some big retreat and focus on hiring someone in person when I hire people online for everything? I work online. I'm moving all of my practice online. So why wouldn't I just, you know, do the same thing? I'm like, hey, this, there's no right way to do this. You can do that. It doesn't have to be the old school tradition of seeking out a master and uprooting my life and moving to Miss. Michigan in the winter and sitting in a Zen community and donating all of this. And I had read people who had spent years or a decade doing that or going to another country and living it at an ashram. And so I started having this awareness. And then all of a sudden, Adi Shanti started talking about an online spiritual retreat, the revolution of being in 2018. I was like, what? Of course, this is how it goes for me. And so I signed up and then I've consistently participated every year. And the first year in 2018, it was 90 days. And then 2019 and 2020 this year, 60 days. And it's really awesome. It's not that expensive. It's close to $400. Meditation is a huge part of it. We have weekly um, talks uh, that are on Wednesday nights, there's Q and A's, there's materials, written exercises. The written exercises are very brief and simple. It's a, it's a, it's a belief that he has that if you can sit down and articulate your thoughts, all of those stories and words into very clear, concise answer to a very pointed question that's, that's trying to reveal uh, a little bit about my spiritual place or point of entry, then it's a value. So this is what I was preparing for. And it was my third year. So I had a lot of ideas about, I was really excited actually this year to be doing it. So Alexander, tell us about that first week, uh, in prepping before the start time on March 1st. Yeah. So you know, I'd come through all this sadness and grief with my friends with cancer. And as I mentioned in the last episode, um, 119 podcast episode, Good Grief, you know, I was really now leaning into this. How do I give meaning to this grief in my life? You know, I'm more aware than ever that relationships end, that I'm going to lose my parents, that my two friends with cancer might die. One of them says he's going to die within a year and a half. The other, Vanessa, is working her magic and her vision to find treatment, innovative treatment, 
to give her life. It has happened with her cancer. It's possible. And so giving meaning to just my grief, to, to my reaction to the impermanence of relationships. And, you know, frankly, one that I haven't talked about a lot is my friend Rock Ford. He is a friend that showed up in my life, right? Well, he's actually the person who carried the message of AA and sobriety and possibility to me specifically in 2015. I reconnected with him and I was inspired by what he was doing. And I went to celebrate his two-year AA birthday uh, in Arizona when I was visiting him. And it was just all part of those pieces that aligned, the stars aligned. And I was processing the grief of losing that friendship and um, as well, and just realizing that, wow, people are in our lives for a period of time. And then, you know, he very clearly stopped taking my phone calls and very clearly sent a text message telling me he was unable to connect with me. And so I just let him have the space and I haven't heard from him and it's been a couple years. Um, it seemed very appropriate that I would practice something that was new for me, which was actually letting people do what they need to do and give them the space as opposed to trying to get them to get on board with me. And it's been really hard. It was really, I didn't really, I didn't really know what specifically was at the forefront of, of his frustration with our connection. And so that was huge. And that was another one. So giving meaning to all of this pre-coronavirus, I was super ready to be in retreat because I had already experienced how you know, retreating, so let's say we're using the word refuge. If we're taking refuge from danger, or we're not using that one, although the danger arrived in the form of the virus in March, the first week or two. And um, I was taking refuge from all of the other priorities. And I put my spiritual life and being in retreat with a teacher I trust, with teachings that have consistently opened me up to my life and to my spiritual instinct, my soul, to my meditation practice. And so let me just share with you some of the ideas that he gave in the pre-retreat materials. Today's program is sponsored by Commission Me Blue. Have you always wanted to own an original watercolor? Have you been thinking about making a purchase and adding to your collection of art? Or maybe you don't have an original piece of art yet and you're longing to buy something. Well, Commission Me Blue is what I'm doing now. I was commissioned to watercolor. and Someone commissioned me to paint um, a portrait of her mom's house with all the spring flowers and it was such a valuable experience for me it was so much fun in fact I even created a 20-minute behind-the-scenes video from start to finish and you can see that all at viralmindfulness.com forward slash watercolor and then from that someone requested to buy 
the painting of poppies that you can see in that behind the scenes. So I sold the second piece and now I am officially selling my art. So if you'd like to learn more, head to viralmindfulness.com forward slash watercolor. And if you want to do a commission, me blue, just send me an email, alexander at viralmindfulness.com. For those of you just joining, today we're talking to Alexander Smith. His series, the COVID-19 series, is a short podcast series within Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. And in episode 117, he talked specifically about how his business, Viral Mindfulness, has a whole new meaning with what's happening with COVID-19. In episode 118, he shares with us a beautiful idea about belief and practice holding on to practice right now as opposed to trying to grasp to what we believe or what we think we believe and then episode 119 good grief learning to make meaning of your difficult emotions so alexander you're taking us right to the week before March 1st, where Adi Ashanti's spiritual retreat would be starting. And you were going to tell us about some stuff you had written down and read right from the retreat materials. So I've got my notes here. And one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of take you through this process is for me going through the actual sit down, read the pre-retreat information take a pen to my notebook or a pencil. I do love to write in pencil. I love myself a good sharpened pencil. And it's a process that I've done many times in the last five years as I've continued to learn new tasks, to fine tune the work that I am doing, because sometimes we get stuck in our head and we have this ego that shows up that's like, oh, I already know this. Oh, I don't need to do this. And I think it's really valuable to sit down sometimes and to contemplate and have some quiet time. And when you take your thoughts to paper and to pen or even to sketch or drawing, I've found great value in just putting my thoughts into sketching. In fact, it's interesting uh, during this um, shelter in place time, I've been able to go through a lot of my art and I found this sketchbook uh, where I had sketched questions and feelings my first like 45 days of sobriety, sobriety in 2015. And it's really funny. I have some really great material. I've thought it'd be really cool to put that into a PDF or book form for all of you to look at. So note to self, add that to my project list. And so here taking you through this process, I think it's a valuable way for you to look at approaching material in your life. And one of the reasons why I particularly retreat now is because my spiritual life, it doesn't grow on its own. Like just like anything else, it requires effort, time, attention. It's like a garden. It's like watering and weeding and pruning and nurturing. And it's so valuable to me to put time 
and my attention, like two valuable resources, what I pay attention to and my time towards my spiritual life. I also get quite annoyed sometimes at all of this. Let me help you make more money. Let me more, more, more. Like online, there's this whole marketing about changing your life and changing your career and making more money and scaling your business. And that's amazing. What I wish I heard more of was how do you scale your your spiritual life? How do you um, increase revenue of peace, the benefits of joy? I want more conversations like that. So I decided to start talking about it. You know, you have a spiritual life that's fluid and alive. And if you put time and resources into it, it grows. And if you don't, I think it's potentially problematic. And now more than ever with what we're feeling and what's being thrown across the canvas of the entire world, frankly, there is an opportunity to find a spiritual relationship and to lean more into that to a spiritual solution. So here's the material that I was talking about. I digress. So before the retreat, Adya Shanti asked, it says, clarify your deepest emotion. What is the deep impulse moving you to participate? Write down your motivation to crystallize it before beginning the retreat and then hold it as a living inquiry throughout the retreat. So that's it for writing. And so I've noticed that sometimes I can take that so I could easily have this potential to take this and write all kinds of stuff and just like vomit on the page basically. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think there's value in at some point really condensing and coming to answer specifically that question. What is the deep impulse moving you to participate? Write it down and crystallize it before beginning. And then the five other ideas was commit fully, commit to making time count and fully engaging with the teachings during this retreat. Bring a beginner's mind and an open heart. Try not to make assumptions based on other retreats, courses, experiences as to how things will unfold during this retreat. And discover what's already within you. This is so beautiful. Rather than trying to gather information you need to learn, see the retreat as a chance to learn what's already within you. And then the last item is create a supportive home environment. Make any necessary arrangements at home to create an environment that will be conducive to focusing on the retreat. So, Alexander, it seems like we've heard in this whole COVID-19 experience that we could take this as a time to retreat. So, could you talk a little bit about how you see these five suggestions for a scheduled retreat to actually be used in one's life right now, let's say in May and June and July, the summer of 2020, in this middle phase of COVID-19 where there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of different 
ideas about a lot of information that's very confusing and upsetting to a lot of people. Yeah, certainly. I think that it's important that we're deliberate and intentional right now and, you know, encouraging ourselves to, to some sort of schedule or to a little mini retreat could be a very beneficial activity. And, you know, I know that for me, uh, taking the leap to participate in something like Adi Ashanti spiritual retreat and on a fundamental level, having the courage to not spend five years of my life looking for a teacher, going to India, making it happen right now online and doing it has been super valuable. And so you risk, you risk the, you risk not finding the experience that you're being called to. So if this resonates for you, you could potentially take these five items and starting right now within the next week, you could set a time frame, let's say 30 days or 45 days or 60 days. And you could take, I'm going to clarify my deepest motivation. I'm going to commit fully. I'm going to bring a beginner's mind and an open heart. I'm going to discover what's already within me rather than trying to gather information that I need to learn and see this little mini retreat as a chance to learn what's already within within me. And then create a supportive home environment or home office environment or patio environment to fit that. And so, for example, what if your deepest motivation was to work on your anxiety level, to just work on your anxiety, to explore it, to try and intervene, instead of waiting to get into the doctor or waiting to get into you know, there's a lot of things that could come to you in setting that own container for yourself. And I think it's a very creative idea. And I also think it's, I think it's really smart because if one of the things I'm learning and observing here in this whole global situation is that no one's coming to save you, not the government, not the people in power. Like there is an element, and I don't mean this to make you retreat into a place of, you know, solitude and doing it yourself, but into a more intentional attitude of creating and making things happen for yourself that you're missing because it's right there within your space. Um, and, you know, frankly, I'm going to be offering uh, some workshops and some live experiences this summer and this fall and winter where we could potentially work together if you wanted to create retreat around a specific topic. Um, and more details will be coming about that soon. So take us to your, your journal. You were writing and clarifying your deepest motivation. What did you write? What did you learn? Yeah, so right here in my on the paper, I wrote down my deepest motivation is to continue my practice, to practice. I am a student. My spiritual body stays nourished and articulate as I practice. I've adopted a yearly retreat. I'm looking for relief from my sadness. I'm seeking meaning from my friends and their cancer, my dad and his dementia, back to my motivation. I encourage myself right here to, okay, what's your motivation? Listen and ask my spiritual impulse, what are you looking for? 
What do you need? What's the expression that you're in need of? What are you attempting to know and see in your consciousness? And I'd like to trust death and impermanence. So that's all I wrote. And this was pretty revealing to myself. I was pretty aware that I wanted to practice. You know, I talk a lot about learning and practicing and creativity. However, the motivation that I'd like to trust death and impermanence, I had no idea that that was part of it. And articulating that on paper was really helpful for me. And I remember having that awareness. And I've done this before with Adi Ashanti, where he's asked me to answer a simple question. And, you know, sometimes it takes some effort to not sidetrack yourself with all kinds of information, just keep coming. What is my deepest motivation? What is my deepest motivation? And then coming back to the question. And I feel like there's so many levels, so many like metaphors and parallels there. Like for example, when I started recovery in 2015, when I started doing the 12 steps, like it was really hard to sit down and do step work and to do one of the massive big steps in the beginning, which is step four, which is to write down a list of all your resentments and who you were were resenting. And then from there, all of a sudden, then you needed to take responsibility for each of those resentments and write down how am I to blame for this? Like I'm mad at Bob because he stole, he didn't, you know, I'm mad at Bob. So how can you take some responsibility for your resentment for him, Alexander? Where was, what's your part here? And that was so difficult to do. So I feel like there's been several places that I've learned. Okay, so then there's one more spot on March 1st, the first day of the retreat. Then I took this information into this short paragraph. Day one spiritual retreat with Adi Shanti online. Drop time. Release the layer of time so that I'm really here today. The type of question I'll ask drastically changes when time aborts. Embody what's already within me. Look, listen, learn, love, laugh. See what's in here. See what's inside of me. More peeling of the onion layers of my spiritual uncovery. So then at that point, I think it became clear to me that I wanted to see what was inside of me, to stop looking everywhere else and to be here with me and to turn inward and look and observe and listen and love and laugh. And so... You know, it it's it it set the tone for the spiritual retreat, and it was very soon into retreat when I became very clear that I had set this intention, and then this is what was happening. This is how I was connecting with the information and the teachings, the Q and A's, the small group, my meditation. When I would read material that resonated, it was directly related to this motivation that I had laid out, you know, which was to see what was here. So I think there's great value in uh, definitely taking the time to do something like this. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It, it seems like sitting down, writing, writing a focal point and choosing an aspiration. 
it can actually inform the experience that you're going to have. Yeah, I couldn't have said that any better. In fact, you're, you were reading that right from my, my journal. Um, so that's exactly what I would love to finish with here, which is you don't have to have a scheduled retreat or a teacher. You have everything you need within you. And I believe that part of it is learning to be creative enough to bring it into reality. And so there is great value in writing down an intention. So how you might retreat, why you might, well, it's been a tradition that's in many different cultures and religious groups. I do everything online as well. And there's a lot of stuff online right now as well that you could participate in. I just saw something come through that was like a 21-day free meditation challenge. Actually, they were charging $27 for the 21 days. Um, And just like a garden, I think that's a great metaphor. You know, a garden needs to be cultivated. And same thing with your intention. This doesn't have to be a spiritual retreat for you. It could be a dedicated, consecrated time where you're going to focus on your mental health, where you're going to talk about anxiety in your home. You're going to talk about, you know, stress. We're going to work as a family or a unit about how to have less stress, more peace in our home. We're going to have a digital detox. We're going to spend less time in front of our devices and televisions. And we're all going to have like kids. We're going to have family camp and we're going to have creativity camp. We're going to work on learning how to paint, how to draw, how to write poems. There's so many ways to do this. And if you're not in a space to be doing this, great. Let this drip off you. You don't need to be doing this. There's no more pressure. However, there are some people right now who do have the energy and the environment to encourage themselves to to be disciplined. And that's what this is about. This isn't about adding more shame or guilt. Some people right now are not functioning at full capacity emotionally. Some people have so much stress with life and work changing and family at home. Great. You don't need to do this. This is not for you. That's not what this is about. So the last thing I wanted to share with you is that all of the blues clues are there for you and they are profound. They're subtle. Sometimes they're very still and quiet. And a lot of times I think the blues clues for your next step, that they are more simple than you think. And they'll move you to unexpected, beautiful places if you take the trail one step at a time. Um, So that's all I have to share with you today. And I really thank you for taking the time uh, for listening. Yes, Alexander, it was such a joy to interview you. And for all you listeners, um, I'm signing out. This is Alexander's persona, robot persona. Blessed be the fruit. The month has finally arrived. Viral Mindfulness Academy is almost open. And in honor of this exciting event, I have a special offer just for you. Stay tuned. Are you still listening? 
I just wanted to tell you thank you. I know there's a lot of things to listen to, and if you're still here, I really appreciate your time and your presence. And one of the things that helps my podcast get discovered and to have more people find it is if you would simply go to Apple Podcasts and just click the button and subscribe. And that way, whenever I post a new episode, it'll show right up in your app. And also, if you wanted to just click five stars, that would be awesome too. And even better, if you wanted to leave a review, that is super easy right from your device. So you can actually find that information by just going to Apple Podcasts and searching Viral Mindfulness, and it will come right up. All right, I'll see you next time.